Hello and welcome to Still Any Good, the podcast where we run the risk of ruining our childhoods by revisiting fondly remembered films. My name is Christopher Webb and I'm joined by the man with the flying grunion, it's Robert Johnson. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? I'm good, I'm good. And you'll be pleased to hear that um, I, I got a cream from, from the doctor for my grunion, so it's um, it's looking much better. It makes your trousers hang very unusually, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially when they're flying. It's all rubbery and... Yeah. <laughs> Looks like someone's got a hand in it, yeah. Finally, finally, we are um, recording our late Halloween Double Bill yes. special. This is the late Double Bill special. I was going to try and con the listeners by saying it's actually the 30th of October, but I can hear fireworks going on outside. <laughs> yeah. It's no point, really. <laughs> it's the Guy Fawkes special. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris and I were just talking about how um, Chris made a, had a very funny tweet today. Well, I'll let, I'll let you tell the story. Your analogy for Guy Fawkes Day. I like Guy Fawkes Day. I like the 5th of November, or Bonfire Night, as we like to call it in Britain. But what I really don't like is people who let fireworks off in their own garden. I have small children, I have pets, and it really, really annoys me. And I got into a conversation with somebody about it saying I really don't like it. And they called me a bit of a stick in the mud saying, well, it's only one night of the year. Um, so I just thought, well, it's it's a bit like the purge, but for cunts, really, isn't it? <laughs> So let's still pretend it's Halloween. So it's our our second spooky podcast. Following on from the tradition we established last year, we're, we're doing a spooky double bill. We certainly are. Did you enjoy Halloween this year? Did you get up to anything? No, I, I worked late. So um, I avoided uh, trick-or-treaters. Didn't have the pleasure of sitting at the um, door with the hounds um, poised to... <laughs> Your two hellhounds. <laughs> <laughs> We, of course, had lots of fun. My kids love spooky things, as our regular listeners all know. So my four-year-old daughter wanted to go as a killer clown, and my elder daughter, who's eight, wanted to go as Annabelle. (laughs) Not just a creepy doll, she wanted to go as Annabelle. So we, of course, complied, and we had great fun. We went up and down the street. The hall this year was better than ever, because I taught taught them to say Happy Halloween and not Trick or Treat. Uh, It's much friendlier. And then we went down the road. We we took a turn and went out of our street and went down, down the main road. As you're from Napier, Rob, do, do you remember the shop Aaron's Emporium? Oh, of course I remember Aaron's Emporium. How could I forget Aaron's Emporium? It's a... the, of course, the, the shop which has so many good sort of props and gags and makeup stuff. The people who own that house live down the road from us, we realised. Ah. And they really went to town with the Halloween stuff. It was amazing. So we stayed there for ages. Oh, fantastic. They welcomed us in. They chased us around with severed limbs and things like that. It was great fun. <laughs> So it was quite a receptive, because of course, um, to our international listeners, Halloween is not a traditional sort of New Zealand um, holiday or, or celebration, if you will. Getting more and more part of the um, the culture, so you you found it quite receptive in your... Ve- um... very, nobody told us to bugger off. Nobody oh, said, sorry, we don't celebrate Halloween. And what I really do like is, I, I mentioned this last year, is the, the American way is you can get dressed up as anything. Yeah. But it's but it's for kids, which is great. Yeah. Whereas New Zealand is, it's just for kids, which is great. But everyone's dressed up as scary stuff. You didn't get anyone dressed up as a ham sandwich or anything like that. No one was uh, there as the sort of um, laughing, crying emoji. No. Um... <laughs> Whereas the, the British way is much seedier. <laughs> it's kind of like adults have taken it over. They they go to Weatherspoons and they go dressed as sexy something or other. Sexy so cop, sexy yeah, vampire. Yeah, absolutely, okay. yeah, which is just yeah. a bit grubby. <laughs> So I think New Zealand's got it just right. It's for the kids, but it's scary. Yeah, nice mix. Nice mix. Speaking yeah. of which, yeah. yesterday I went to see Goosebumps 2, colon Haunted Halloween. And? 
It was bloody good. Oh, wow. Was the first one good? The first one's really, really good. This mm. isn't far off. That's it's nice. It's proper scares for children, which I know we always talk about. Yeah. Really good. And now but... my daughter's declared her favourite actor to be Jack Black. So is he is, He was in both of them, right? Is he R.L.? Does he play R.L. He, he plays R.L. Stein. So he's okay. he's the, the protagonist in the first one. And in this one, he's just got a sort of a cameo role. So okay. it's more about a couple of kids goofing off and having fun. So it's got a bit more of a sort of Spielberg vibe to it. Oh, you'll have to watch um, School of Rock with her or something. She'll That's what that. I said to her. I think she'd really like that. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So, for our double feature. You chose first. I did I did choose first. Quite tough, isn't it, going through your um, your back catalogue of, of scary movies that you want to have another crack at. And I went for one that I just genuinely haven't seen for probably 25 years, even more. I think I, think I was about 9 or 10 when I watched this. I remember the morning that I watched this. I watched it on a Saturday morning with my brother. I walked into the lounge early on a Saturday morning. He had obviously recorded it from the night before and was just sitting on the couch watching this. I didn't know what the hell I was getting myself in for. Mm. I just remember that there was sort of boobs in it. Yeah, and, I was going to um, say, which, which bit did you walk in on? <laughs> he did look a little yeah. like I was cramping his style yeah. a little bit. But, it's not what um, you think, it's not what you think. <laughs> I think he was just relieved it was me and not mum or dad walking in. I'm sure he was relieved. <laughs> yeah, and I remember really, really enjoying this, just like it being absolutely riveted to it that that morning and it stuck with me for quite a few years and the film that i'm referring to is called piranha 2 the flying killers or also known as piranha 2 the spawning a super breed of killer fish that can swim fly any time. They bred the ultimate killing machine. Now, you're not safe out of the water. Piranha 2 Flying Killers. And I prefer the, the term the spawning. The Flying Killers sort of sounds like a Shaw Brothers martial arts film whereas the spawning just sounds kind of grubby and a bit nasty and yuck which the word spawn isn't very spawn. Nice, is it? and it was made in 1981 which is the year that i was spawned so, wow so and of course being in the piranha franchise it helped spawn mm. a um a really seedy kind of kind of franchise but, um, yeah, I haven't seen the remakes. Have you seen them? I have for um, I haven't seen the, the the most recent remake, which was Piranha Three Double D, which gives wow. you a um gives you a clue to um. Is it Piranha Three Double D colon subtlety? <laughs> <laughs> Subtle tits. Um, <laughs> so so this was a sequel to Piranha, which came out in 1978, which um had quite a good pedigree. Joe Dante directed it. Written by John Sayles, who was, of course, indie film darling. And it was intended, and produced by Roger Corman, it was intended as kind of a, um, you know, a B-movie um, sort of parody of, of Jaws. I actually watched Piranha some years. I was in my teens when I watched Piranha, so I watched it a lot later than I watched Piranha 2. Yeah, okay. And, um, That's interesting. Even then, I was kind of like, oh, okay, this, this is a slightly different vibe I'm getting from... 
Yeah, that, that, that was the one. first thing that I picked up is that Piranha 2, or Piranha, like like you said, it's it's intentionally funny, it's, yeah. it's intentionally satirical, whereas this attempts to be serious. Given that it was a, um, a, a sort of a parody of Jaws, apparently when Piranha um, was coming out, Universal were going to take out an injunction. That's a bit mean. It's a bit mean, and apparently Jaws 2 was getting released in the, around the same time. And, oh, okay. But uh, Steven Spielberg made some some quite nice comments about it in advance and sort of convinced them not to um, not to go ahead with it because you probably thought it was... I mean, it's quite different. You don't watch Prana and think, oh, this is a Jaws rip-off. And, yeah, so good on you, uh, good on you, Stephen. Well, what, what Stephen says, you know, you, as, as he once famously said, you don't fuck with the Sun King. You do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. For the sake of our our listeners, the the conceit, of course, of the original piranha, it involved a river infested by genetically engineered piranha who were kind of bred to be even more vicious and survive in cold water, and they were gonna they were used as sort of like a, a weapon against the Viet Cong, and and then it caused a whole lot of trouble for for Bradford Dillman and Kevin McCarthy and Keenan Wynn. So so it's effectively that same story that of, of science gone wrong, isn't yeah, it? So it's it's Jurassic yeah. Park. It's it's all of those. It's it's all of those things. Piranha Two, essentially the same premise, yes. but tra- transported to a um, Caribbean island. Transported to Club Tropicana, where drinks are free. I think drinks are free, and where the acting is consistently sort of porno level, <laughs> or or really bad sort of late seventies, early eighties sitcom level. And it's yeah. kind of like it's a combination of a of a really bad sitcom and a porno. I did. Um, I did actually write in my notes. It's like a porn, but without the sex. <laughs> yeah, and of course the other the other interesting thing about Piranha Two is that it is technically the debut feature film for James Cameron. I say technically because um, he's on record as saying he was basically sacked after two and a half weeks, Mm. replaced by the Italian producer, I think his name is um, Ovidio Asinitis. Ovidio G. Asinitis, which makes me laugh every time I see it. It's like a bum disease. It's really, yeah. Ooh, you you really don't want to catch Asinitis. Especially if you've got flying grunions. (laughs) <laughs> and initially Cameron was sort of hired just as the special effect director but he replaced some journeyman yeah and in turn was replaced himself and um there's a little story about how he broke into the uh, editing room in Rome um and cut his own version while the while the producers were at, at Cannes but he was caught and then Asinitis recut it again and um there's a little question mark over how truthful that is but Cameron's joked about it in interviews and things before because yeah. I did read that even though Cameron was sacked after two two and a half weeks he was he was kept on as the the name director yeah because in the contract they, they they wanted an American as the director they refused to remove his name from it and he at the time was sort of sleeping on his mate's couch somewhere had no attorney had no money was utterly powerless to um to challenge it and so mm. his name was kept on this film although he he did manage to cut a deal with the distributor and um get his alternative sort of version released on home video i think so yeah so i'm not sure what the hell we watched whether it was (laughs) i still don't know what the hell i watched (laughs) (laughs) yeah what did i what did i just watch whether it was the uh the 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 cameron vision or the um asinitis (laughs) um as long as i live i'm never not gonna find that funny (laughs) He is one of the listed screenwriters, but they've all gone under a combined pseudonym, haven't they? Yeah. Which is H.A. Milton. 
H. A. Milton, yeah. I thought that was a crap pseudonym because he was married to Linda Hamilton, but he wasn't at the time. I never made that connection, right? Wow. I thought he named himself after his wife, but he was still married to Gail Ann Hurd at the time. So I don't know where that came from. <laughs> and when Gail Ann heard that the pseudonym was Hamilton <laughs> That's when the divorce that's when the DI divorce <laughs> proceedings started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, quite an interesting, as, as is often the case with these um, <laughs> films of, of this vintage, the backstory is a lot more, <laughs> more entertaining, <laughs> a lot more entertaining than, than the film itself. Although there are some, you know, entertaining uh, quotation marks moments in this, um, mm. in this movie, if you can call it a movie. <laughs> it's an American-Italian production. Yeah. Although Asinitis yeah. sounds Greek, but. <laughs> The, the way Sounds that some painful. of the people, it's yes, yeah, certainly does. I'm touches of the Greek astonisers. Um, <laughs> uh, the the way that some of the, particularly the supporting cast, are speaking, it did remind me of a spaghetti western, <laughs> where their lips are moving and a different sound is coming out. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, I, I read that m- much of the crew, because for budgetary reasons, were Italian and they didn't speak English. Here's your guarantee of quality straight away. <laughs> Apparently they worked in a sort of schlocky horror kind of sci-fi genre, so Cameron managed to kind of get what he what he needed out of most of them. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that extended to, to the cast, but the, the the performances and the characters, and I used both those terms very loosely, <laughs> yeah, it's like several different movies or TV shows combined. But the standout thing for me in this movie is, of course, Cameron's lucky charm, Lance Henriksen. I thought his, his character, when he first kind of appears as, as a sort of boat cop with a, a sort of a bandana <laughs> on, some sunglasses, his wispy sort of hair hanging I think out. the intention was meant to be a bit obviously like Chief Brody. Yeah. But Chief Brody, if he's just come back from Vietnam... Yeah, sort of edgy, an edgier Brody. And I kind of thought his character, Steve, whatever his name is, Steve. Steve. Just Steve. For me, his character belonged in sort of like an 80s action TV show, sort of kind of, you know, call it Caribbean Heat or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would have watched that as a kid. That's I would have loved that. <laughs> I just would have loved that as a kid, you know, and him and his... Yeah, a little bit of shell shot from Nam and yeah. kind of irreverent take on law enforcement in the Caribbean. Like a great shot. <laughs> yeah. So when I saw him, I was quite I was quite excited. But, um... but the thing that made me laugh is when the opening credits come up. I, th- I think what they call him is he's an Ampersand actor. So they list yep. some names and they go and Lance Henriksen as yep. Steve. They haven't even thought <laughs> to give him a dynamic macho name. You know, like, even if they use this surname, it's as Steve. It's a funny role, isn't it? It's because it's not the lead. He's not the... He's kind of not the hero, but he has heroic moments. Because the, the Brody, you mentioned Sheriff Brody. The Brody is actually, of course, the protagonist who was um, played by Trisha O'Neill. Hmm. I've just written Poor Man's Kate Jackson. Um, <laughs> she's the Sheriff Brody of this film, the one who kind of clicks on to what's going on. Has she the is. Kind of, Cassandra complex, no one believes in her, has the kind of... So it's um, nice to get a female protagonist, almost yeah. a female... Which, of course, Cameron did very, very well in his next film. He did, he Which did. is The Terminator, and gave her the same kind of frizzy perm. Yeah, and um, I actually thought she was quite good in this. I thought, you know, yeah. obviously she had an absolutely shit role and terrible dialogue, but I, I kind of thought, yeah, she's okay. And apparently she's had quite a, a successful career and kind of the kinds of TV shows you would expect after watching this, really. A-Team, Riptide, Airwolf, Remington Steel, Heart to Heart, all those 
brilliant. ones that I loved when I was eight or nine years old. That CV is phenomenal. It is. And apparently she went on to kind of play a Klingon captain or something in Star Trek The Next Generation. Or... At least she had an acting career at the end of it. At, at least she did. Yeah, Piranha 2, it starts with um, some more some porn level acting, as, as mentioned. A couple trying to shag on a boat. He can't get it up. He's not yeah. sure if it's because the boat's uncomfortable or... Then there's some, there's some very bad, as we said, like porn level ADR. Yeah. Where she's saying, hey, this will be great, you'll really enjoy <laughs> But the, the lifts aren't moving with, with the sand. That's why I thought it was like a spaghetti west. But yeah. she's, she's basically trying to say that you're only going to get it up if we do it underwater. Quite a way down underwater. Yeah, scuba six. Yeah. It was, the, it was the, the thing to do back then. So it's a bit like autoerotic association, yeah? Um, I yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. No. I really couldn't tell you. I, mean, um, <laughs> I am Paddy certified, but that's in diving, not in hardcore <laughs> scuba sex. <laughs> and um, the hilarious bit about this, so, you know, they, they go scuba, di- scuba diving down by an old Navy vessel. The hilarious part about this scuba sex scene, so she's, I, I kind of just blinked and she was naked. Yeah. I don't know what I, I just went down to look at my notes or something and looked up and she was totally naked. And then she gets out her knife and um, cuts off his speedos. Because a knife that close, it's really going to get him in the mood, isn't it? <laughs> well, I thought, um, that's probably his only pair of togs. What's he going to do when you get How's back to shore? I, I, it's a stupid idea. How's he going to get out? Yeah. How, <laughs> I mean, I get it in the heat of the moment when you're, um, you know, underwater <laughs> having scuba sex. You just want to get the knife out and cut off the, the togs, but <laughs> it's not practical no. at all. He's got to get back on the boat. He's got to get back on that boat. There'll be a lot of chafing on the on the Ooh, trip yeah. home. Yeah. Then, of course, we hear that some... When you know something bad's going to happen, because there's no mosquitoes underwater, so... Um, <laughs> There might be, I don't know. Yeah, some, some fucking... Some, some scientists some invented scientists some, probably. Some scientists engineered underwater mosquitoes. That, that would be the, yeah, the spin-off of this. Mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> the underwater biter. Sub-malaria. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, and then lots of sort of red liquid in the water. Yeah, they just get attacked by some red paint. Someone releases some food colouring into, into the water and yeah. um, they're dead. That's it. So a Jaws style opening, if you like. There's a pre-credit mauling, and then we get into those opening credits. Speaking of Jaws, that theme music that they use sounds very familiar. That that cello-heavy underwater. Very familiar. And so then we we find ourselves on this um, Caribbean island. Is it called Elysium? Is the island called Elysium? No, the hotel is. So. It's Club Elysium. I don't filmed... know the significance of that. But... I, don't, I don't either. I mean, it was it was filmed in Jamaica. Jamaica. Well, the first two weeks, and then they fire me. <laughs> It's, sort of, it's almost like a carry-on film premise here, isn't it, really? <laughs> it's like when they go to Elle's Bells and carry on abroad, yeah. So Trisha O'Neill's character, Anne, she, the, we first see her in a very porno lingering. She's yeah. she's just waking up in bed and the, the camera just sort of lingers all over her body. And then she has this really weird dynamic with her teenage son. It's almost I was like, so shocked when it turned out to be her son. They have sexy play fight. She's naked, except for a... A very strategically placed shit sheet. <laughs> strategically placed shit. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Maybe underwater it'll turn that guy on. But <laughs> a bed sheet placed in that sort of L-shaped way, so yeah. it's covering her naughty bits. And they're having like a, a pillow fight. It's all it's all sexy time. Mm. And they get very close, sort of nose to nose. 
They do that. And then he calls her mom. Very close talking. And it's horrible. Yeah. And, and then you don't see him again, hardly, throughout the film. He kind of starts off like, okay, he's going to be a major sort of character yeah. in this. And he just pops up a couple more times, that son. He just pops up for a really weird, incesty kind of <laughs> opening scene. <laughs> Well, this, this happens with virtually every character in the film. <laughs> for, for the next sort of 20 minutes, we go from character to character around the hotel, hilariously. And so it, it's almost trying to set it up like, like one of the Irwin Allen disasters. Yeah, yeah, where there's all these characters that you're expected to care about. Yeah. And then nothing happens to any of them. There's the oversexed middle-aged woman who's a bit like Sue Pollard on the beach. Who's going yeah. at all the lifeguards? Nothing happens. There's the two women, one of which who looks a bit like Blossom, Miami <laughs> Valley, and her yeah. friend, and she falls in love with a dentist, and nothing happens with them. Yeah. There's yeah. this married couple who are trying to get freebies throughout the hotel, and nothing happens. I don't get it. I don't understand. Then there are the two sea bandits who are just there to get their boobs out and. Die. Oh, you you were shocked by the opening scene. I just couldn't believe that there's a boat sailing. My Jesus Christ, they're both naked. <laughs> yeah. It was unbelievable. I'm starting to realise why I did enjoy this as a 9 <laughs> I thought it was for the special effects, but that's laughable. As you say, we're 20 minutes of kind of being introduced to silly dentist with the kind of comedy glasses and you know, really very sort of slow special needs chef. <laughs> oh, the chef Cook. with the stammer. <laughs> it's more than a stammer. Stammer though, he's, he's like you know Lenny from of Mice and Men. Or, and, um, it's almost like he's trying to remember his lines. Yeah, and somebody's whispering is. to them off screen. Probably is. But we also have the hotel manager. Oh yeah, who was like Kirk St Moritz from Dear John. <laughs> his lapels and and collars. Wow, brilliant. Um, staying alive. As you sort of mentioned, you know the first film was kind of winking a mm. bit. This one is trying to take itself seriously despite the ridiculous comedy yeah. characters that it has. It clearly doesn't know what it's doing, which makes me think, which are the bits that Cameron directed? Yeah, yeah. And which are the bits that Ovidio Asinaitis directed? Yeah. Because, yeah. And, and I'm getting ahead, but some of the underwater scenes are really good. They're shot yeah, very, very they well. Are shot. And I, I, I want to be generous too. and say Cameron did those. Yeah, I thought that too. I, let's also be generous and say Cameron went with strong, clever female protagonist as well. It's, we'll we'll yes. give him that. And maybe some of the sci-fi kind of action. It's pretty terrible plot, though. He also, apparently, the, the, the mechanism that allowed the piranha to fly, he um, later employed to make the facehuggers do their little facehuggy thing, apparently. So I'm not sure if it was just a bit of nylon dangled from... <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? A fishing rod, do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Dangled from a fishing rod. Because that's sort of what it looks like in this film. I did read that. I was thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> you, could, you could possibly say that the underwater scenes were like R&D for him doing the abyss. Because it's quite well shot and underwater. I, I'm going well to suspect that he did the good stuff, which is the underwater yeah. scenes and the suspense. And yeah. Asinitis... Did all the shit stuff with the characters that nobody cares about. Yeah, yeah. He, he did all the stuff which is basically an episode of The Love Boat. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Cameron did some of the other stuff. So, yeah, yeah we've had those, those two killings. Then yes. we realise that um, Trisha O'Neill's character, Anne, she's a, a diving instructor at mm-hmm. this hotel. She meets another guy, what's his name? Tyler, Tyler. it is Tyler. Yeah, Tyler from Tyler. Manhattan. He lives on Tyler. an island too. He lives, on he lives in, Manhattan. Yeah. in Manhattan. He's supposed to be this kind of charming, roguish 
charismatic, handsome guy, I assume. He's, n- he's none of those things, but I'm pretty sure he's supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> we get a little clue to there's more than meets the eye with him because she says, hey, I thought you looked like a pretty good diver. You know, why are you doing this mm. class for sort of neophyte divers? And he's just like, hey, I'm bored. And, you know, I like getting my mullet wet. I don't know. <laughs> but, then, but then her son goes on a voyage because we find that yeah. his job, he crews ships for rich thickos, basically. And, and the, the character of the guy whose daughter he fancies wandered off a really bad sitcom, like, just the acting is He so looked a bit like bad. Higgins from Magnum. He did look a bit Higginsy, yeah. Yeah. And then and the son sort of fancies the daughter. And then we yeah. realise that he's um, the son of Lance Henriksen. Um, That's right. Cameoing from his show Caribbean Heat, and um, <laughs> and 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 so Lance Henriksen is Trisha O'Neill's estranged husband. That's right. So then she takes her diving crew down for a dive, and uh, one of them gets uh, savagely eaten by some. We can only assume as some piranha. But we don't see. They don't see him get eaten. He just no. He goes down because they say don't go down to the wreck. Whatever you do, don't go down mm. to the wreck. And he does because he's, he's a little, like, oh, I'll show a smart ass. Yeah, don't you tell me what I can do. Uh, but but in the meantime, in in a meeting before the dive, Anne, who's Trisha O'Neill's <laughs> character, this is where we learn about the Grunion. We learn about the Grunion, yes. Yeah. So we she gives some massive exposition to a guy who looks like Art Garfunkel <laughs> about the spawning. So she says, in one, in one day of the year, which is coincidentally like tomorrow or something, mm. all of the Grunions come to the beach and spawn, and we cook them up and eat them, and it's a big party. So there's lots of fish coming, basically. <laughs> they, is what she they, they are coming yeah they lots certainly of fish, are <laughs> lots of fish coming all over um, the beach <laughs> you want to make sure you wear your sandals or you <laughs> when, you're, when you're walking along the sand quite interesting fish grunion they beach themselves to mate for about 10 days they sort of stay burrowed under the sand i used to have to do that sometimes at the beach when i was thinking about mating yeah <laughs> Drill a hole in did the you, sand. Yeah, I was going to say, did you just roll on your tummy and there's a yeah. little hole left? Um, Digging for oil. <laughs> okay, so we we know that this Grunion party is going to um going to come into play. Seems very unsporting, doesn't it? Just going and sneaking up on a whole bunch of fish having a, an orgy on the beach. Very impolite. It's impolite. Let them finish, I hope. Bearing in mind this film is effectively soft porn in places, just let the fish do their thing too. Anne is very perturbed at the um, the death of her student, and she is quite convinced because we find out she was a what marine biologist before she became a washed up diving instructor. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and she knows that the injuries sustained by this person are not usual. No, they're not consistent with whatever would normally eat you in that part of the Caribbean. No. So her and Tyler, who's kind of doing quite a good job of sexually harassing her. Um, oh, it's horrible when he follows her yeah. down the street, isn't it? He follows it? her down the street and basically says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I just want to spend time with you. And she's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, all right um, then. What yeah. you should say is, look, my ex-husband's a police officer. This is a Caribbean island. He's just going to beat the shit out of you. They break into a morgue, kind of inspect the corpse, take some photos, and she takes some, some sort of forensic-style photos. But of course, she she has used a credit card to break into the morgue, mm. and and accidentally just leaves it on a table. Pretty silly. Who's gonna? You know, she won't be buying the drinks later anyway. <laughs> and if, and a nurse, an unwitting nurse, comes in, sh- shoes them away, mm. um, and of course, 
It's <laughs> 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 uh, our first real sighting of um, the eponymous piranha. I know a little bit about fish, having done A-level <laughs> biology. And even if they are flying fish or flying <laughs> grunts, they, they still need water to survive. But Not for some reason, this, this fish has survived in a corpse's tummy. It almost looks like a really bad piss take of um, the chest-bursting scene in Alien, doesn't totally. it? Totally, yeah. And then it launches itself from the wound at the nurse, and you have to say that it looks incredibly just like a fake rubbery fish thing with kind of wings. Well, on it. It, it looks like the nurse has got a sock puppet on her hand, and yeah. she's mauling her own face. It's like Rod Hull and Emu. <laughs> <laughs> but without Michael Parkinson spinning around in a chair. <laughs> And she is unfortunately killed. I mean, the the gore in this is shit. It's really bad. There's no fun gore effects at all. It's just rubber fish. Which is fine. I'm okay with the rubber fish. I'm okay with the rubber fish as well. But there's no clever, you know, oh, it's eating my eye out. No. You know, there's no no cleverness. There's no finesse to it. There's no finesse to it. I love it when on a you know a low budget film does some clever stuff to achieve the gore. You know Peter, Peter Jackson was the, the master of it on his no budget films. And, but even um, the lowest of budget video yeah. nasties yeah. had more style and gore than this. They, they yeah. would just get some sausage meat from the butchers or, or whatever, yeah, yeah, and just yeah. to really emphasise it. But this is just somebody holding their neck while somebody throws red paint at them. <laughs> One of the deaths, when it's, it's the two topless sea bandits. She just looks like she's holding a hot water bottle to her neck. Yeah. Like, just... <laughs> well, she's probably a bit chilly. She's got no clothes on. It's just that zero effort has been made. Yeah. And then, of course, we're, we are getting ahead of ourselves, but, the, you know, the pierced resistance horror scene near the climax of the film, which is the spawning, because we, we later learn that these piranha have been, their genes have been spliced with flying fish, obviously. Mm. Although you would think they'd been spliced with kind of eagles or something because they can just they can just fly like birds. They just fly everywhere. Flying fish can only kind of like, you know, just launch themselves out of the water. But these flying fish can just fly around like bats. So their genes have been spliced with flying fish and da-da, grunion. Mm. So they feel the urge to come onto the beach later in the, um, in the film. And that's supposed to be the big horror, gory piece and it's just shit but if you're trying to create a scientific mutation or even in a horror movie would you even use the word grunion <laughs> it's not the most terrorizing of words like how grunion <laughs> sounds like a character name from a british sitcom it's yeah. mr grunion i mean yeah. He's like the caretaker at this look how grunion's coming old man grunion i know it's just Shit, like I remember even in the first Piranha there's there's a scene with like a little claymation, almost like a Ray Harryhausen sort of claymation mutant sort of Piranha that walks on legs and stuff and there's just nothing of even that, that level on here at all. And so that scene where it's supposed to be like the, the big massacre, I think you only see about four or five people get killed and it's just like a bit of red dye poured on them, there's no cool gory injuries. And but, then... but, but interestingly, or not very interestingly, the, the characters that we were introduced to in the beginning, none of those get killed. None of them get killed? No. So why do we care? We don't. There's no yeah. scenes of jeopardy of them where like, oh shit, is it, are they going to get out? The one character that we, we do sort of get introduced to, Gabby, the black man and his son, the only charismatic character on the whole film. The one who kills and... fish with dynamite. 
yeah. yeah. Dynamite fishing, yeah. The scene where he, everyone else has sort of fled back into the hotel while all the, you know, the flying fish are actually flying around. And he is bravely, single-handedly trying to fend them off. And it's just, it is the most ridiculous looking thing these flying rubber fake fish is flying around at him i mean it's not the stuff of nightmares is it it's oh this is so scary it's just it is so shit but we are we are getting ahead of ourselves so we are but obviously Anne is on to something she's found mm. the body she she knows it's nothing normal so she yeah. tries to cancel the dive so she goes back to the hotel manager yeah. who first of all says, I don't want to hear any more of your cockamamie ideas, yeah, which is yeah. a brilliant thing to say. And yeah. then he says, you're sticking a red hot poker up my ass by cancelling now, which yeah. I really wish the mayor of Amity had said when Brody tried to cancel 4th of July. And then he sacks her. And throws like, her out of the hotel. Dude, make your mind up. You Either you you want her to stay here and, and, and hold the class, or no, no, I'm just sacking yeah. her. But but then Tyler, after making love with Anne, it's funny because he wants he wants her to, she wants him to stay the night, and then she says, "We don't have to make love or anything." You just actually bloody think not love. I've only just met you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we find out that Tyler isn't just a lovable roguish Billy Ray Cyrus here sporting dude. He was a biochemist who was um, involved in gene splicing these fish and then four canisters of fertile piranha eggs sank and they've only recovered three so that's why people are getting eaten by these hand puppet hot water yep. bottle thingies so he's he was on the project and he's he's not necessarily a whistleblower but he's trying to trying to clean up the mess basically yeah i can't, i didn't quite understand the whole plot of this like so why Surely they would have a crew that would come in and sort of sort this out. So no yeah. one's interested for this to... Yeah, because when he's phoning up the top secret office, they're just basically yeah. saying, no, deny everything. Yeah. How can you? There are flying fish going around eating people. You can't yeah. really cover that up. Didn't really work as a, a plot. But I did love the fact that he said, they're the ultimate killing machine. Grunions that can live out of water. <laughs> Shit in hell. <laughs> How are they the ultimate killing machine? <laughs> I don't fucking understand. I don't understand. Why not breed sharks with legs or something? You know what I mean? that, <laughs> that would be more effective. <laughs> Tigers that can breathe underwater and swim or something. You know, like uh, kill no, a whale like... on wheels. Anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dinosaur like, with a shotgun. Yeah, you know, come on. Yeah. Think, big, think bigger than grunions. T-Rex, but not with those silly little arms. Like, yeah. T-Rex with, like, sort of... <laughs> T-Rex with arms, arms like Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, apparently no. grunions are the ultimate killing machine. <laughs> and they must be treated seriously. No wonder they called it cockamamie. So, people get eaten by fish. They try and blow up the fish. So they finally realise that despite going, nah, it's not true, that more bodies are turning up and the yeah. fish attack the beach. So they finally realise, shit, it's yeah. true. The, the yeah. fish are coming to get us. Sheriff Brody's right. Yeah. Sheriff Brody's right. So they have to do something about it. Um, Meanwhile, um, Steve, Lance Henriksen, mm. catches um, Anne post-shag. He does. He's not happy. Tyler. He's not happy. He thinks for some reason, even though he's married to her presumably and knows her very well, that she's involved in the, the murders all the killings of these yeah. people. All I know is I got three corpses and you're the last person to see two of them. Come on. 
Steve, mother of your child. <laughs> and... But yeah, he finally believes her. Yeah. Because he finds some wings. Yes, isn't it? It's really dead. He finds some wings next to a dead body, so the first thing he thinks is, (laughs) fuck, flying grunions. She was right all the time. So they have to do something about it. There's a massacre at the hotel. The boy who grunts, whose father is the man with the dynamite, he's dead. Gabby's boy. uh, Then he's dead too. And Gabby, um, prior to, to Gabby's demise, he does hatch a plot to blow them up, which later... Oh, that's right. He sets yeah, some timers, doesn't sets he? Sets a timer yeah. on a really old Seiko time-keeping yeah. device. Got a handy Casio. Yeah. Then Steve finally realises, shit, there's somebody else in the script, and it's my son, Chris. <laughs> yeah. A little so, bit of a sort of a Jaws 2 Jaws moment. He goes and intercepts the, the boat, and thicky rich bloke has realised that the Chris and his daughter have absconded. They've disappeared with the dinghy. He doesn't know where they are, but it turns out they're on an island somewhere having very uncomfortable sex in a waterfall. Anne and Tyler decide to employ Gabby's plot to to blow up the fish. <laughs> Steve is flying around in a police helicopter. He hilariously just ditches and a little toy model you you can almost see the airfix serial number underneath it. it's incredible that helicopter is amazing just a, a tiny little toy model helicopter just sort of <laughs> crashes it makes into... thunderbirds look real it's so funny <laughs> but it just cracks me up that also like his first instinct i realize that he's um you know time is of the essence but his first instinct is, I'm just going to ditch this chopper into the I'm going to make this ocean. helicopter explode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, there's going to be hell to pay in the office when oh. he gets back. Speaking um, of which, there is a very good podcast called Exploding Helicopters. Oh, which, I've noticed. I've noticed. Yeah. They, they, they like us and we like them. Yeah. Uh, they are now friends of the show. They they basically, they review in a very similar way that we do films, but the films have to have an exploding helicopter in them. Wow. Well, we they have are, to... It's really great. Can I rely on you to, um, to, to tag exploding helicopters? Most in? definitely. And they're very aware of this film. Oh, they are. Well, oh, when are I told them we were reviewing this? it, they were all over it. Yeah, they thought it was great. So a big hello to exploding helicopter. Hello, exploding helicopters. Yes, now this, this has to be one of the... An iconic exploding helicopter moment, just for how bad Wonderful. it is. But it works. The helicopter explodes, and he's back on a boat. So he's waiting cause, because, of course, Anne yeah. and Tyler are underwater trying to set the traps. Yeah. But Tyler gets stuck. Yeah, he, eaten, gets, or... he gets stuck, and he sort of gets his legs eaten. Yeah. Which is a great distraction for her to get away. She's kind of like, oh, well, mm, all right. And then she gets sort of pulled along on, on a thingy. Oh, she holds the anchor and gets dragged along, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, That's quite yeah. Good. It's quite a cool little kind of moment. But then she goes straight to the surface and she doesn't equalise. Ah. That's, that's bad. This happens a lot when people go diving. You, they don't equalise. She's an instructor. Yeah. So she should have known better. She would definitely get the bends. Yeah. Well, it's a good album. One of, one of... <laughs> it's my favourite <laughs> one of theirs, actually. Yeah, before yeah. they went all pretentious and I like it wanky. very much. Yeah. I saw Tom, Tom York once in a motorway service station. Oh, did you? He bought some cheese and onion crisps. Oh, There really? you go. a little showbiz insight for you. Was he, was he nice or was he a creep? I did say to him, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> you weirdo. Um. <laughs> so the, he's quite short, actually. I didn't realise how small he was. He's very oh, really? He always looks quite tall on top of the props. But anyway, yep. we, we've taken away from the suspense of this film. Then, yeah, suspense. Yeah. Um, so she gets away, the boat explodes, and yep. then presumably the fish are all dead. Yay. 
the, the yeah. end. He's he's rescued his son, mm-hmm. who was just fucking around in a motorboat, on oh, no, yeah. in a rowing boat, sorry, um, yeah. with his girlfriend. We we don't see thick posh bloke again. He's another character who is built up and then nothing, nothing happens, and the film ends. And the film ends, and you know maybe Steve and Anne get back together. Maybe they just co-parent. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who cares? I'm going to ask you, Rob. <laughs> is Piranha Two colon whatever it's called the flying, flying spawning flying killers. spawning killer fish? Is it still any good? Well, no, it's it's absolutely terrible. But as James Cameron has said in a couple of interviews. It's the finest flying killer fish horror comedy ever made. I won't disagree with that. And you know what? While it was abject shit throughout the whole movie, I I was kind of... I wasn't bored or really not enjoying myself through it. It was kind of entertaining. I I hate to use the term, but it was like a guilty pleasure. It was like a guilty pleasure, yeah. There was enough just interest kind of happening, whether it was, you know just because it was so terrible or whatever, just to keep me um, keep me going through it. So I, I didn't kind of sit there going, oh, fuck, this is just, mm. oh, I can't believe I've got to sit through 90 minutes of this. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> enjoyed the watching experience anyway. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I broke from tradition with this one, as you know, because normally I'll watch it all the way through. Yeah. And then I'll watch it again and I'll make my notes in preparation for this. Yeah, yeah. With this one, I got through the first 20 minutes which yeah. was, of course, the introduction of the appalling characters that nobody cares about. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, fuck, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So I basically just went back and just made notes on a first watch. Yeah. But you're right. It was kind of fun. <laughs> it's yeah. a terrible, terrible film. But yeah. it was okay. Think of some of the other ones that we've watched and absolutely hated. Mm. Like Digby, the biggest dog in the world. Probably oh. the, the prime example. Yeah. That was an ordeal to get that, through. That was grueling. I, I enjoyed watching this more than I enjoyed Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, me too, yeah. yeah. That, see, I, I found that sort of a bit of a, an ordeal to get through as well. And, yeah. You know, I would recommend this to, you know, a group of hipster, filmy young people who maybe like to, I don't know, smoke a bit of pot, watch kind of bad old movies yeah. and enjoy it. You know, I'd, I'd recommend I'd never recommend anyone smoke pot. Absolutely not. But, um, or do anything else with it. No. Other than refuse it, of course. It, uh, absolutely, refuse it. Yeah. Refuse it. But, um... You know, if they, if they were committed to, to doing that anyway and nothing I could say could sway them. Yeah, you know, it's the sort of film that you would get together with your friends when you're kind of in your your 20s and watch something that's kind of a bit kitschily bad and enjoy yeah. it. So, yeah, not, not, not all bad then. Not a total loss. No, like you said, I'd, I'd probably recommend it. I, actually, yeah, I, I would too. And not just for Cameron completists either because there's probably some of those out there. Yeah, also people who like sort of boobs from the early 80s if you like random boobs yes yeah that's there too yeah that's one of our podcasts coming up as well random boobs <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the first part of our halloween special why not download part two tomorrow <laughs> <laughs>